Blue Wire Podcasts. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to All Eyes on Cleveland on the OBR Streaming Network, Twitch, and YouTube. Good to see you back. I'm uh, hot off of a vacation uh, in South Carolina. Uh, it was enjoyed, uh, even through the back pain. Uh, thank you uh, all for uh, that uh, well wished me off uh, for last week, but we are truly locked in now as the boys are back in town from the Greenbrier all eight days and nights of practices have been exhausted there. Two days of pads, one day of acclimation, one day of uh, contact, and they're back in Korea today for the first of uh, many sessions in Berea. Um, they will have the day off tomorrow and play a game on Thursday night in the Hall of Fame game uh, in Canton, Ohio at Thompson Stadium. This is All Eyes on Cleveland. Make sure you hit the like button, subscribe, the notification bell, um, and keep it locked here at the OBR as... Uh, we are putting out uh, nothing uh, but fantastic work over there. Go read it uh, all. Uh, good to see the best chat in the land uh, pulling in to the uh, it filling in. Guys, yes, uh, the intro music does get me hyped too. Locked in. It is time to get locked in. Charlie, um, Bradley, good to see you guys. Red leader. Uh, yeah, as uh, people are filling in uh, here to the uh, chat. so. Uh, two days until, um, yeah, absolutely. So we actually have uh, a game this week. It's a freaking game week, people. It's a game week. You start getting excited. Uh, yeah, so we're going to talk about that. We want to talk about, uh, you know, takeaways from Greenbrier. We got an unofficially official depth chart we're going to kind of look at tonight. Uh, I want to get to your questions and answers about things. Uh, Shelby Harrison for a visit yesterday. Um, talked about it with Jake on our pod, on my podcast last night and his on the crossover show. If you listen to that um, a little bit about Shelby Harris and the uh, there's some other things out there, you know, Bucky Brooks with some interesting takes today on the Browns kind of get you fired up. Uh, the Browns with another poll, a field design poll. Talk about that. Have the Browns gone crazy? Are, are they, uh, pulling away too many things. I say yes. Why are we doing this? Uh, it's insane. And uh, then we're going to get into the depth chart because there's some real questions uh, out there. Um, and uh, we'll go through the happenings of the day and all that good stuff as well. Uh, just keep it locked here at the OBR. Now, before we want to get into anything uh, about today and all that good stuff, I do want to point you to the Orange and Brown Report, theobr.com, as up until Thursday night, uh, we are offering 75% off uh, a annual membership. Um, so if you go over to the OBR up until midnight on Thursday night, which will be after the game uh, against the Jets, uh, game zero, as Kevin Stefanski would say, of the preseason, uh, go over there and check that out. Um, yeah, so, uh, and get that uh, subscribed uh, up for a full year, 75% off, uh, for real. 
So let's uh, see what we got going on here. Uh, locked in and leave Brownie at midfield. So uh, this is uh, what, you know, I was talking about as far as the um, center of the field goes, the Browns are now, we're going to pull this away as well uh, as the dogs, which we went through for what seemed like an eternity. Um, and uh, Kevin, uh, Keith, sorry, is saying uh, that's not a real pull. The dog is already on the field. Is that true? Can we confirm this? Um, I, listen, I don't really care what's on the field in the center of the field, like helmet, elf, dog. I'm cool with it all. Whatever. Uh, it seemed like a real pull from the Browns account, though, Keith. Maybe I'm wrong. I could be wrong. Um, but, uh, yeah, Paul is against the dog. So uh let's uh let's get into it just it just seems crazy to me like i mean what, what are we doing here we're we're pulling we're literally pulling away everything uh so we chose the dog and now we've got to choose what goes at center field uh stop the polling the polling is out of control yes can we pull the 53-man roster rocky yes exactly are we going to be uh calling plays this year are we going are the fans calling plays this year a, B, or C? D. Get your votes in now. What play we're going to run on first down. Uh, appears to be the direction the uh, social media team is going with the Browns. Just joking, Ron. All right, so Bradley brings up here, uh, I'd be a fan of Shelby Harris. We could use another defensive tackle with some girth besides Tomlinson. 100%. So Shelby Harris uh, came into town. They worked out a couple guys. Um they actually signed a corner. Uh, we'll get into that in a minute. Um, from uh, he played spring ball this year for Birmingham, uh, and uh, so yeah, the um, Shelby Harris coming in and visiting and leaving is not something to get really get up in arms about. It feels like he visited Denver as well. It feels like he is just testing his market right at this point. Uh, the thing about Harris is. And I and I talked about this with Jake last night. Is Ionitis has is like radio silent on Ionitis, right? Like he was the guy that makes the most sense to fit, and there is just nothing uh, from from him, uh, nothing from his camp. Uh, I don't know what's going on there, but uh, yeah, free agency polling next year, exactly, Paul. Um, but yeah, and and so. If there's a guy out there who played, who's who's most recently played and been productive, and that could come in and be an immediate upgrade over um, Elliot, right? It would be, it would be uh, this uh, Shelby Harris signing, right? So he came in and visited. We don't know much about the visit. Uh, he did leave, which we expected. Um, yeah, and. Uh, so it's kind of crazy, and to, to Bradley and, and Rocky's point in the chat here, we're seeing a, it's not even a secondary market, it's like a tertiary market uh, of free agency, right, right now. Um, we're seeing linebackers get signed, running backs, guys that have been on the market for, not running backs, I take that back, uh, but uh, there's guys getting signed all over the place uh, that have been out on the open market and are now signing with teams. So we're kind of seeing this market like 
teams are arriving at camp, maybe seeing a couple days of what they have and realizing maybe we need to go out and get something. And that's kind of where I wanted to point at this Harris thing is, listen, they went for eight days and eight nights and did their thing at the Greenbrier in West Virginia and came back and said, let's have Shelby Harris in for a visit. I think that tells you something, right? Like, the day, first day they were back, the first day they had off, when they were back in Berea, they had him in the building. To me, that screams there's a need there still, and they know it. Like, that that seems pretty obvious to me. Um, yeah, guys that played in the spring are getting picked up right now. So uh, they came back into town, uh, and uh, uh, they had um, today's first session out at uh, – Uh, out at uh, Berea. Sorry, I was trying to read the chat there. And uh, so with what's going on, uh, so, you know, this is technically like day nine or whatever of training camp. Schwartz spoke today, um, you know, some pretty basic stuff. He wants to have a defense that uh, leads the league in passion for the game. And um, I don't know if you've watched, uh, I recommend you watch it, but uh to watch the Anthony Walker um, unleashed video on YouTube, the Browns YouTube. Uh, it's excellent uh, as it kind of breaks into the first couple of days of the, at, at uh, the Greenbrier in West Virginia. Um, you know, we've got uh, Fred reporting today that Kellen Mond will start the hall of fame game on Thursday night. Stefanski, um, says it'll be Mond and DTR in the second half. So Dorian Thompson-Robinson will play the second half. Mond play the first half. No sign of Dobbs or Watson, as expected. Uh, Mond says he's excited about the opportunity. Yada, da, 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 right? Uh, AVP talked today. Um, he said he's pleased with Watson. He's picked up right where he was in minicamp. Uh, as we all seem to be, you know, things are that uh, all – news coming out of camp appear to make uh, him sound or, or uh, appear to make him look uh, anything you read sharp. I would say that Watson looks sharp and is much further along than he was last year. Um, I think that if you read everything and, and really dive into the transcripts of what people are saying around the Browns right now, there's a good vibe. Right. I, I think there's a good vibe leaving West Virginia, coming back to Berea. And for this week, it just there's kind of a good vibe around the team. And um, I think that's all a good thing. AVP said he's been impressed with Deshaun's work ethic. He's going the extra distance. He's staying out on the field after practice. Uh, he's working on arm angles. He put in a ton of extra time when they were uh, in in West Virginia. All good things to hear. Right. Uh, so. Um, Guys, you got back who left the Greenbrier early. Uh, Jerome Ford back. Jakeem Grant back at practice today after missing. Both guys missed Saturday and Sunday for personal reasons. Good to see Ford and Grant back. Now, I'm going to talk about Grant later uh, because uh, I think he's an interesting case right now that we need to talk about with some of the developments in the wide receiver room. But, um, you know, as far as stuff from you know, everything out of Berea today was very positive. Good vibes. Schwartz 
uh, wants to have the swaggiest defense in the NFL. And that, and, and honestly, and that sounds stupid. It's a stupid word. Swaggy, they have the swaggiest defense in the NFL and have the, uh, you know, he wants to be uh, the most passionate defense in the NFL. Listen, I want that too. I want that too. Like that's what I was begging for last year, right? Uh, Martin Emerson, get in your face, tell you about it. Like that's the kind of defense that we can be proud of as Browns fans in, and it absolutely needs to come true. So uh, yeah, everybody. Um, uh, yeah. DTR is going to play. I'll play. Everybody says red leader. Yeah. I mean, listen, I didn't like the pick uh, because of the position, not because I didn't like DTR, the guy. So I heard an interview with him. He's a very easy guy to like. He seems like a really sharp guy. I guess he's been playing really well in camp. Uh, so yeah, listen, this, so my feelings on the defense are this, let's, let's talk about, let's talk a little bit about the defense. Um, and before we get into, uh, you know, questions and all that, uh, let's see if I can, uh, navigate this. So we got this, uh, unofficial official, whatever you want to call it, the unofficially official, depth chart which is really i guess you could call it just um i guess uh, i i don't know uh you if you could call it that i guess a guess of uh uh the media team uh you know what this uh is gonna look like i know it's a little small let me see if i can raise it up here a little bit bigger oh hey now it's too much all right uh so we got this. And, and the first thing you should notice, folks, is uh, if you go back and if you've looked at any of these depth charts over the past few years, um, the Browns have always had two tight ends in here, right? Me and Jake talked about this last night. You notice right away they have three wide receivers in their starting uh, depth chart. So you see the, the three guys there, Cooper, Moore down here, and then Donovan Peoples Jones here, and we're talking about more about receiver here in a minute. But um, I think that's an indicator, right? Follow the breadcrumbs we've been talking about. That's an indicator uh, that uh, clearly uh, we're going to see a lot more eleven personnel. Um, yeah, so Red Leader, we'll get to that as well. Uh, I'm going to star your guys's questions here and come back to them. Um, yeah. So uh, the the plane incident, which is really stupid. What's up, Serge? Go Browns. Um, so, yeah. And um, if you're looking at this, right, no surprises. Now, since this came out, um, and this is for Thursday's game, and like we said, it, it's unofficial. Like, try to explain how, I guess, how this would work. Your media team takes their best shot at it, right? They've seen all the practices. They've seen everything going on. They take their best shot at the depth chart. Uh, I don't, you know, I don't think that, uh, you know, a coach may, they may ask a coach something, but I don't think this is like, you know, as Jake described it last night, I don't think somebody snuck into the locker room and wrote down the depth chart off a whiteboard in Berea or anything like that, right? Like none of this is set in stone. This is just kind of a, uh, a start jumping off point. Right. And there's really no surprises here. There, there is one for me. Uh, I'll get to that, but, um, you know, I thought it was interesting though. The three wide receivers as the starters, no longer listing two tight ends in their base on offense. They're now listing three wide receivers. So look, you know, that 
is another breadcrumb in the many that they've left behind. This front office and Kevin Stefanski have left behind about their tendency to want to throw the ball more and be in 11 personnel more this year. Right. So, uh, Elijah Moore, Cedric Tillman, uh, Jakeem Grant, uh, Austin Watkins, uh, Sammy's cousin, Marquise Goodwin. We're all, you know, keeping him in our thoughts and prayers with the blood clots. No prognosis there, but like, listen, uh, that's is becoming to me a bigger deal than people ever made of it. Like, so for me, Goodwin had a, he had an incredible camp. He was productive last year with five touchdowns. He was the fastest guy on the field. He solved a lot of issues that you didn't need to rely on Elijah Moore for you know, to be, uh, your, your straight line speed guy, right. When Goodwin was out there, like there's a package of plays they could put in for him and he will stretch the defense and guys are going to back up and they're going to have to respect it. Him being gone changes the kind of the way that this wide receiver room lays out. Um, so if you look closer at it, right. Like, who is going to be that guy? I, my first thought, if, if we don't know what's going to happen with blood clots, right? Um, me too, Charlie. And I, I like, I really, I think he's, I, I couldn't agree with you more. You, you nailed it, Charlie. Like he is hugely important. I think like more important than anybody made it a big enough deal about like he is, is very good. And, uh, finds his way open. He's a nuanced, experienced receiver, a high-energy guy. Um, I hope it's, like, it's hard to glean anything. We don't know the progress here, like, the prognosis on what, like, his health is going to look like. I said before, one of the first thing I thought of was Chris Bosh trying to come back all those times with blood clots. Um, it's a sickle cell thing, I think. But, like, either way, like, I, I just don't know, um, Bradley, I'll get to your question. I agree. Like, I don't know that they have anybody else like him. Like, speed isn't just speed. Like, sure, Schwartz is fast, but he's not like Goodwin, right? And uh, Jakeem Grant, um, I'm going to talk about him. Great. The guy I did have hope for, in, in that I thought was like a, almost a shoe in for this roster when this Goodwin thing came down, right? Was Jalen Darden. Darden has had a impressive camp. He has caught long ball. He has been out there uh, re returning punts and kicks. He's been a part of everything. And him and Watson seem to have a really good connection. He's been getting open. He creates separation. He's so jitterbug fast. Like, Darden, I really, really like. Um, now, he's dinged. So he hurts his leg, right? And then we come out with this, and I'll scroll down here. Um, and the thing that jumped off the page to me, the first thing I noticed when I saw this was Jakeem Grant listed as kick returner, punt return on this. Both kick returner and punt returner. Um, and, and Evan, you're, you're making a, a great point. Absolutely. Right. Uh, and Bradley too. I'd rather have Darden too. Anybody who can run by you changes things. And literally 
the way the speed that Goodwin brings and the way he ran his routes, he commanded that respect. The way they want to use and the way they talk about even using um, Elijah Moore is different than that. Like they're not going to have a, just a speed package of goes for him, right? Like they're, they're moving him all over the field. They want him to be a key cog in the offense. He snaps off routes terrifically as we've seen. Uh, he can be a very good weapon, but like, I, I just don't think Schwartz doesn't have a chance for me. I, I don't think uh, as anything progressing with Schwartz, I, I don't I, that that uh, ship has sailed for me. Uh, like I, I've seen enough. We saw him break wide open on uh, a clip on social media at the Greenbrier, like one of the last days, right, and catch a ball, and there was like, oh, there's Schwartz sighting. You know, breakdown in coverage, nobody near him. Who cares? Like, I don't think he has a chance to make the roster, to be honest. So, um, the the big, yeah, so this is, Evans brings it up right here. So, this is the question, right? Jakeem Grant, I had said multiple times, I don't think he makes this roster. I don't think Jakeem Grant makes this roster because the wide receiver room is too talented. So when you had your core four of people's Jones and you had Elijah Moore and you had Amari Cooper, and then you had Goodwin, you had four guys that are locks that are going to take the majority of the snaps. And then whatever Cedric Tillman can get and David Bell can get right. But those are your six period. I think they probably carry seven if Goodwin was healthy, that was the thought. And I, and I thought that has to be the returner. And that would probably be Darden because listen, the wide receiver room is just too talented in my opinion to dedicate a roster spot to a guy in Jakeem Grant, who I don't think is a very good receiver at all. And just, to, I know he's a pro bowl returner, right? Like, and that's the thing. There's a trade-off here. For me, Darden is a much better receiver and can give you comparable skills in the return game. If it fails, you have Peoples-Jones, who I don't necessarily want doing it, but did do a good job with it last year. I didn't think Grant had a chance of making the roster. Here they have listed as their kick return, punt return. This kind of shocked me a little bit because I'm going, hey, you know, Darden's down with a, a leg thing now. Jakeem Grant's back. Does that, it, does Jakeem Grant even have the skill set to do anywhere close to what Goodwin did? And it's kind of surprised me last night, you know, I was talking with Jake on, on the crossover pod and he, he kind of said that he thought that Grant could fill that void. I don't know. I, I don't really feel that way. I kind of think that, that's Darden's spot to lose. Uh, I would agree with you here. I think that Felton is not long for this roster. So, like, if Goodwin is gone, I, I want it to be Darden, and you can carry six or whatever. I guess you could carry seven. See, Will Fuller and Darden are just like Evans, you know, and the whole thing with Will Fuller is like, Everybody kept saying that because of Watson, right? But what the hell happened to Will Fuller? Like, 
nothing good could have happened to him. It's kind of like the Ionitis thing, right? Like, we haven't even heard a whisper about these guys. Ionitis, Fuller, like, I, like I, we're waiting any day to hear Ionitis is going to retire or whatever. Like, I, I, that's not a, like a real rumor or anything, but what else are we supposed to expect at this point? Here's a guy who was supposed to be like, you know, first wave, second wave defensive tackle, prime of his career, off season, big payday coming, and he's gone. So I don't know. So I think it comes down to Darden and Grant, and I think it's a really interesting battle, right? How quickly can Darden get back on the field? A, he's probably not going to play Thursday. B, can Grant show something on Thursday night that he can fill that wide receiver role and be a returner because we know he's a pro bowl returner. That's great. I'm sure Bubba wants him on the team. I'm just saying when I look at this room and and you expand on this room, because really like, I actually think like this wide receiver room has some really interesting young talent in it, like beyond the guys that we always talk about. So like if, if we scroll up here and look at it, so if you're talking about Darden, and you're talking about guys like uh, David Bell, Dale and Baldwin, who I think is very interesting, who by all accounts has had a good camp. Uh, and then throw in the rookie, of course, Cedric Tillman. Now you've got this Watkins kid in camp. Like, there's young talent here that's going to get cut. We know Tillman, Bell, they'll make it. Elijah Moore, DPJ, Cooper. There's your five, right, with Goodwin in if he's healthy. But if he's out, it kind of comes down to Darden versus Grant. So I think it's something that come Thursday night we should be watching closely. The other thing to watch in the wide receiver you know, uh, thing come Thursday night is um, watch Dalen Baldwin. Can Dalen Baldwin make a big enough of an of – a, uh, uh, an impact under the lights in game situations. Rocky points it out. He's having a good camp. He looked good last year. He's a, a big body receiver who can do some things. If he can play well in uh, game situations, and this is the perfect scenario for him, right? Like, I I think it's probably not common, and, and I'm not saying that, Kellen Mond is terrific or great or DTRs and all American, like all pro or anything like that. But Mond and DTR compared to the kind of guys that get thrown out in the hall of fame game are pretty good quarterbacks. Like I expect to see some success in the past game in this hall of fame game, right? Like they should be able to throw it all over to Tillman should have a nice fun coming out party, right? Get it to Tillman, get it to Baldwin. Let's see what Grant can do. The wide receivers, I'm saying, should be fun to watch come Thursday night. Um, but I do think there is, as long as Goodwin is off the table, I think there's a real battle there between Darden, how quickly he can get back, and Grant. And uh, it surprised me that they had Grant listed as their kick returner still. I know he's a Pro Bowl kick returner, but for me, it's kind of a waste of a roster spot unless he can do both. Um, Let's get to your guys' comments here. Charlie Chuck saying, I want to watch uh, Diabate. Yes, Diabate, all, by all accounts, having a good camp. Can he break into that linebacker room? Um, you know, I've expressed my concerns about this linebacker room. 
and and you see why right away. Uh, I heard the other day uh, Jordan Kanasik taking starting Mike linebacker reps because you know a walks not all the way back yet. So, but just hearing that, just hearing that, like Jordan Kanasik is taking starting Mike linebacker reps for this team. You don't have enough linebackers. Like I get it. He's a great story. He's a good special teams player, but if he's like, if he, even with your first guy hurt, if he's taking your Mike linebacker reps feels to me like you don't have enough guys in those rooms. Uh, it was interesting, very interesting to me to see the Steelers go out and sign Quan Alexander in this tertiary free agency market that we're talking about, right? They go out and sign him. That is a signing that I wanted. Like that's the perfect signing. It feels like for the Browns, like that would have, that would have been perfect. I would have been elated. I would have left the linebacker room alone forever. Right. Um, it is fumble says it. Yeah. Rocky says it's scary. It is scary. And, and, uh, the linebacker room is thin and injury prone and Phillips is terrible. I agree with all of those comments. Um, so, you know, what, what will we have out here? Right. Uh, and, uh, I don't know. So it's a lot of this is if you point to the defensive tackle room, a lot of people, and I feel this way a little bit too, the defensive tackle room is in this very much in the same boat. Like you are one big injury. So just, just to point it out guys on the sidelines today, let's bring it up. Who was on the sidelines at camp today, not practicing due to injury. You ever chew a piece of gum and it starts to like for so long it starts to disintegrate in your mouth. It's disgusting. I apologize. Um, five players on the side today with the trainers. Harrison Bryant, Marquise Goodwin, blood clots, Jalen Darden, leg. Guess who? Tristan Hill, hand. Tight end Jordan Akins has been uh, over there. They keep saying it's for rest, but he's got his knee wrapped, so he's resting his knee. Uh, it's semantics, right? But either way, um, already our guy, Tristan, right? Tristan Hill already dinged and on the side. Um, so am I worried about depth at defensive tackle? Yes. Uh, without Perry on Winfrey here, with Hill already dinged, uh, with the first day they returned from the Greenbrier, bringing in uh, a defensive tackle to visit, the best one available probably, and Shelby Harris, to me that speaks volumes about what they saw down there. And this isn't to put a damper on this team because I think this team is very good. But um, for me, it's, it's, uh, it's just too... Uh, it's not enough. They need one more. Uh, Evan, y'all worried about Phillips. Alex Wright is second team. Um, I'm worried about Phillips because of the health of Walker and, um, Taki Taki, right? Like I'm worried about their health. Uh, Aiken to, yeah, absolutely. I, I agree with you here, Charlie, as well. He is, uh, he does need to get healthy. Um, made a great catch the other day in practice, has an obvious connection with Watson. Uh, agree. Why is Togi even on there? I, I don't know. Togi is, is long gone. 
they they could cut him now, right? So the one cuts this year, they changed the cut format. We talked about that last week, I think. Um, they're going to cut everybody at once, but you could send Togi to the. Uh, you could cut him now and see if we could catch on someplace else. Uh, JOK looks good. Walker looks like he'll be back for week one. So okay, you've got your starter there, and and okay, you can live with it. I just really worry about the depth here. Jordan Kanasik is taking starting starting uh, reps at the mic. I'm a little concerned. Evan says Aikens um, is awesome. Yeah, he is. He's terrific. So uh, and he's I think going to easily displace uh, Harrison Bryant at the uh, second tight end, and that's pretty much uh, a done deal there. So you know, as you look at defensive tackle and what they have here um, and what they've been running out in base is this is how they've started. They've started with Garrett Tomlinson, Elliot and Zadarius Smith, right? Um, now the second group in the second group in at defensive tackle has been Siaka Ika and Maurice Hurst. Um, so I think you probably get a lot of mixing and matching if it was to stay the way it was, is, and they probably lean on Zaria Smith more than they should to kick inside. Um, haven't heard any buzz. Paul says in the, about Isaiah McGuire, me neither. Haven't heard anything about him. Um, another one that's interesting. You haven't heard much about any rookies, have we? We haven't heard anything. I haven't heard anything about Cameron Mitchell. That's what we're going to get to next is so today, <clears throat> excuse me, today um, at camp, uh, the uh, corner they brought in, um, Mike Ford, to uh, who is a special teams ace, uh, left the field dinged, as did Newsom. So uh, in Newsom, we don't really know. Uh, what happened there? I don't think it's anything serious, or we might have heard something by now, but Newsom did leave the field. There was some question as to what's going on there. Um, I talked to some people. They have been rotating at the nickel corner. Uh, Ward in there. Newsom there most of the time, but Ward in there. They're also playing safeties there, as you would normally do, and in, in dime and linebackers there too. But one of the guys that's been playing a lot in there um, – uh, Chris, was that training camp? Yeah, defense defense uh, won the day today, Chris, is uh, what, what the word is. So uh, let us know your thoughts on what you saw. Um, but uh, so with four dinged and um, you look start to look at the depth in this room, like what do you want out of your six corners? So say that they, they can go five and five or you can go six corners and four safeties, which is what I tend to lean towards. Um, I think you have a really good battle for that fourth safety spot here. Uh, so I think you're getting a good battle between DeAnthony Bell and Ronnie Hickman. So that's one to watch, right? I think that's one to watch Thursday night. Uh, I also think that, uh, you're going to get a battle for these last few corner spots. Now, you know, I'm a big fan of A.J. Green, right? And when he's played outside, he's been stellar. Last year, sound familiar, 
They kicked him inside when uh, Newsom got hurt and asked him to play the slot, and he was awful in there. He's not really a slot corner, right? So the guys that have been playing in there at slot corner have been Mike Ford after Newsom and Ward and Thomas Graham Jr. Now, Thomas Graham Jr., I like a lot. And I think, and, and you'll be able to tell in the article I'm writing right now, it'll be out tomorrow, but I like him a lot, and I think he is a guy to watch on Thursday night. So Thomas Graham actually came in, if you recall, last year in the Tampa Bay game and played a, a pretty good role uh, in, a, in a spot duty right after Newsom uh, got hurt and left the game. I like uh, I like Thomas Graham a lot, and uh, I think that he can find his way onto this roster. The question is, who does he displace, right? So you got Cameron Mitchell here, right, who's a rookie and we haven't heard a peep from, right? Thought he was going to do it. You've got Chris Westry, who's the long corner from Baltimore, who's actually a pretty good player. Uh, you've got A.J. Green, who's been here for a couple years, and it's come up big a couple times. Yeah, the, Charlie, his name's Westry. Yeah, he's he's impressive. So you've got a lot of corners there. Um, and, uh, yeah, I, I kind of uh, uh, am a big fan of, uh, of all those guys and what we've seen so far. Um, his name's Chris Westry, Charlie. Uh, he's right here. That's him from Baltimore. Big, long corner from Baltimore. Um, Mitchell had a nice INT today. Nice. Good. I'm glad Cam, uh, Cam, uh, got a pick today. Uh, D'Anthony Bell will not be starting. No, he's the, I'm saying he's the fourth corner. So the last, or the, pardon me, the last safety to make the roster will be between D'Anthony Bell and Ronnie Hickman. So you're, you've got three safeties in front of them. You're going to go Delpit, Thornhill and McLeod, and you're probably going to see all three of them on the field at times. So, um, yeah. Awesome. Serge dropping a link for anybody that wants it. Uh, and that's, uh, for the Mitchell INT today. So that's just kind of some of the takeaways. I think that, you know, things to watch special teams, who's returning kicks. How does Grant look in a wide receiver role? How does Cedric Tillman look? How do our corners look? Because none of the main guys are going to play, right? Who steps up and looks at good at corner uh, on uh, on Thursday night? Like this is an ex, you know, this is a, a perfect uh, time to exhibit your talents uh, if you are a young player trying to make this team. Uh, Rocky says he forgot about Hickman. Yeah, Hickman, I guess. Kind of having a good camp, but, you know, doing enough to keep his name in the mix as far as D'Anthony Bell. I, I like D'Anthony Bell, you know, who made it as a UDFA last year, long shot. Um, but, yeah, let's see here. Brad, are there any more Hargamore core fans and Brown fans out there tailgating? Uh, no, there's not. That was ridiculous today and unbelievable. Like, seriously, unbelievable line for eternity down the down the block. Um Truly amazing by Browns fans today and had, uh, if you saw Bubba Ventrone commenting on it, it was awesome. Uh, he was, uh, truly blown away by it. So, uh, yeah, hardcore fans, 
alcoholics, Paul says, yep, all, yeah, all, all, I'll throw it all in there. Yeah. Uh, so, um, yeah, if you're going to do something right, be the best agreed. So they, uh, they were, the, the turnout today was amazing. And, uh, for the boys, especially after eight days, um, in West Virginia to come home to that crowd and that intensity. And, uh, like I said, you know, I heard a couple people say that we're at camp today. And Chris, if you're still in the chat and you want to comment on this, there was just good, just a really good vibe around the team, a good vibe around, uh, everything going on out there. Uh, all that's good stuff. Still have our roster concerns. There's still time to, uh, there's still time to fix this stuff. I think that, uh, having Shelby Harris in here shows the interest. Um, and, uh, you know, I think that that's, uh, I think that that's what, uh, we wanted to see after eight days. Hey, Shelby, Shelby's, uh, coming to town after we watched eight days of Togi and, and these guys, I think that's what the sign that we wanted to see. If you believe that this room needs more help, then there it is. Um, so, uh, let's hope they get that deal done. They did sign a kid named Lorenzo Burns uh, at corner. Uh, it was kind of funny. Schwartz is like, yeah, well, we had a spot and we signed him. So uh, that's all Schwartz has to say about it. That's all there is really to say about it. Uh, let's uh, dive into a couple other stories real quickly here. Um, I do want to remind you uh, that you are watching All Eyes on Cleveland on the OBR stream. Um, and that uh, this Fantasy Football Expo uh, kicking off, uh, not this week, but next week. Disgusting. Um, in Canton, Ohio. We'll be there. The OBR will be there at Booth 24 in the Expo Hall. Uh, there's going to be, listen, uh, you know, handicappers, fantasy football experts, nerds, everything you want uh, there with all kinds of information, spreadsheet. It's going to be a spreadsheet party, I'm sure, uh, at uh, this thing. Live drafts courtesy of draftnightout.com, King's Classic Experts Draft, Cornhole Tournaments, Flag Football Tournaments, Fantasy Football Panels with all of the top experts. Friday and Saturday night, there will be parties hosted by different uh, organizations and whatnot. Go to Canton. We'll be there Saturday and Sunday. Booth 24, Nick Chubb. No accident there. Uh, and uh, come check it out. So, yeah, uh, show up uh, at the uh, uh, Fantasy Football Expo. The OBR will be there in full effect. If you're interested in going and hanging out with us, uh, you can get tickets at the thefantasyfootballexpo.com. And remember, as I said at the top of the show, if you missed it, 75% off. OBR annual subscription right now until Thursday night at midnight. Uh, Barry does not do this very often. Take advantage of it if you're not a subscribing member already so you can get all of the inside stuff, uh, all of the VIP articles. It's well worth it. Um, I see how hard these guys write, how much work they do into the Browns content they put out. Trust me, it is worth it. Uh, it is one of the uh, best groups of people I've ever worked with, and they truly, truly care about putting out excellent content for you every day. And I mean that from the bottom of my heart. So uh, go there, sign up, uh, and uh, be uh, the best informed 
uh, Browns fan, you can. That's what I would say. Uh, okay, so somebody mentioned the trashing of the plane. What do we got here? The Cleveland Browns caused a United Airlines flight to be delayed after trashing their charter jet back from training camp, according to a report by aviation blog, Live and Let's Fly. Great name. The Browns were flying back to Cleveland from the Greenbrier Resort near Lewisburg, West Virginia, when they were held uh, <clears throat> the early part of the team's training camp. After the Browns flew to Cleveland, they chartered a Boeing 757 uh, 500 left for Washington, D.C. When it was due to resume its scheduled passenger service to San Francisco, um, the gate and the people there said the plane was trashed by the professional sports team that had previously occupied it. The flight to San Francisco ended up taking off 36 minutes late. Are you kidding me? Just kidding. The pilots were able to make up some of the time in flight and the plane landed in San Francisco. 14 minutes behind schedule. Are you kidding me? This, this is at uh, Steelers Now, the website. Unbelievable. Tragic. 26 minutes they caused a delay. 14 minutes behind. They, I mean, what, what, what were they thinking when they found, you know, the magazines not put back in the, uh, the trays not put in the upright position. The magazines not put in the, uh, the pouch in front of them. What were they thinking? I mean, unbelievable. Ridiculous story. What assholes, those Browns. How dare they not put their trays back up? Um, NFL Network's Bookie Brooks was asked uh, where he ranked the Cleveland Browns in the division and responded that on paper, they are right there with the Cincinnati Bengals. He mentioned the weapons that Deshaun Watson has at his disposal and Amari Cooper, Elijah Moore, David Njoku, Nick Chubb, before saying the defense is what excites him the most. Brooks mentioned the pairing of Zadaria Smith and Miles Garrett being led by Super Bowl winning defensive coordinator Jim Schwartz. Brooks is spot on that on paper they are as good as the Bengals. They just need to put it together on the field in September. So you're getting some hype, right? Uh, stay, stay off. Stay off the beaten path. I like it. They're you know, they've been flying uh, underneath the uh, most of the, uh, you know, most of the hype, most of the radar, a lot of the narratives, all that stuff. I, you know, stay, stay below all that. I'm fine with them not being uh, in headlines and all that. So, but uh, Bucky Brooks is high on the Browns. You know, there's a lot of people that don't know what to make of the Browns. Because of Watson, obviously, because so much rides on one player. Um, it's interesting though. Mike Sandoz tears came out. Watson getting treated a little more fairly comes out at finished eleventh. That's tier two, uh, which I think he's better than that talent wise. But it's a fair evaluation uh, when you account for his last six games. Former Browns linebacker uh, Deion Jones signed with the Panthers. 
thank thank God he's not coming back. He was fucking terrible. Uh, important question. Is your stu- no, it's not in my basement. This is a uh this is yeah. I'll tell you, I'll tell you, search. Uh Paul, this is not my basement. This is a extra bedroom. Um turned into a studio during the pandemic. Yeah. I will. Uh thoughts here from Marcus Gray, Brad, how do you feel about Schwartz in-game adjustments? So, um, I think he's pretty good with in-game adjustments. Like, here's the thing about Schwartz. He's never really going to be, like, he's never going to be the most creative defensive coordinator out there, right? Like, he's never going to, um, you know, Lou Amaruno you, right? Or uh, whatever. He's not going to. Uh, put together some exotic, super weird blitz that nobody can figure out and, and beat you that way. Like he wants to rush four, get home with four, play man behind it, be super aggressive up front, and fuck shit up in the backfield. Like that, you know, that's what he wants to do. He wants to get you an obvious pass downs, create one on ones, and, and be great and turn people over. Like. It's not going to be exotic. You don't need to be exotic uh, because of the guys they have. And if I urge you to go read a little bit, if you want to, I mean, you don't have to, but you can. I wrote uh, and talked last week about the evolution of covering behind the wide nine. And um, a lot of that, I think you'll see this year. So it, as adjustments, not so much in-game adjustments, but his adjustments from where he was with the Eagles to where he is now uh, are terrific. Like, he's modernized his coverage. He's figured out ways to stay in quarters or keep two high safeties or middle-of-field open safeties uh, like you have to in today's NFL sometimes or else you'll get picked apart and still be aggressive with the wide nine. And he's done that with simulated pressures. He's done that with uh, dropping guys in coverage. Uh, So he's gotten a little more creative. Um, But I don't think, like, I think, and it was interesting to hear him, and it's an interesting question, Marcus, because it was interesting to hear him say, when asked about playing who he wants to play the nickel, he he said, well, it'll rotate, right? But he said it'll rotate on a game-to-game basis. And I thought that was really strange. Like, why would you do it on a game-to-game basis? But he feels like a guy that really will believe in, you know, sure, he'll make his adjustments. Every coach has to. But I just don't think he's a guy you're going to see wild adjustments from. It's going to be more of, like, this is who we are. This is what we need to change this week to beat this team. And then we'll go from there. Like he wants the versatility that they have, but I don't see, yeah, matchups. Exactly. It'll be about matchups. It'll be about getting one-on-ones. It'll be about getting home with four, but you're going to play some teams that do stuff different. And uh, I think those adjustments come in between week to week. Um, As far as an in-game adjustment, you know, I'd be lying if I said I was a, an expert on his in-game adjustments, to be honest. 
But uh, the way he has adjusted over time, I'm a fan of. And I think that he has turned the wide nine into something that still can exist in, in today's football, where uh, a couple of years after the Super Bowl in Philadelphia, people were kind of saying, hey, listen, you know, if he can only if you have to bring a safety up in the box to play the run every time you want to really be in the wide nine, you're going to have trouble covering behind it against a good quarterback with single high safety coverage. Right. And he's found ways to work around that with the help of Shane Bowen in Tennessee, mind you, but he's found ways to modernize that and work around it. And uh, that's interesting. And it will be something to keep an eye on for sure. Um, You have to have good tackles. You have to have good corners. Like you have to be so like uh, if you hear him talk about his defense, it's a lot of um, be reckless, be aggressive, be, uh, you know, fuck shit up in the backfield, you know, raise hell uh, getting up field not so much two gapping, right? Less responsibility, but more just, just go fuck up the play. And he will do that and urge that. And then ask the next level behind him to fix it. So like defensive tackles go, you know, be aggressive, get upfield, find a way to get upfield and, and, you know, screw up the play linebackers, fix it. Now be aggressive behind him corners, fix it. So it's like an attack and fix attack and fix kind of rotation that they work with um, that he preaches and allows them to play fast downhill and and not have to think as much. So uh, he doesn't, he keeps saying that. And, and, and I agree with that philosophy on defense, you know, like my dad said that a lot, like you don't want guys thinking too much. Right. My dad was a defensive coach. So like, you just don't want guys thinking too much. If you're thinking on defense in the middle of a play, you're losing. Somebody's running past you. Somebody's getting open. Somebody's doing something that's beating you or finding a hole in in the defense. If you have to stop and think about what your next step is, it has to be reactive. It has to be instinctual and it has to be that way come week one, which is kind of, you know, Joe Burrow, we don't know if he's going to be healthy, whatever, but Browns Bengals week one, how snap communication, instinctual downhill, knowing where to be totally reactionary as Rocky saying, will this defense be week one, right? Can they trust each other week one? I'll tell you again, go watch. If you haven't watched it on the Browns YouTube, the Unleashed, the newest one with AWOC, and you will see that this secondary is tight. They are close. They are tight. You can tell they like each other. Um, You can tell Schwartz likes it. Uh, He wants them to play with swag. He wants them to play with passion. So I love all those things about Schwartz, and I love not thinking and playing downhill, and I love the concept of like you have to be able to get home without blitzing. Right. Cause as soon as you blitz against Patty Mahomes or uh, burrow or Herbert, you're beat. 
sometimes you're beat unless you're unless you're doing it in a, in a really impressive way. If you have to blitz to get pressure, you're probably going to lose, right? Uh, obvious passing downs, get home with four. Get home with five at the most, right? And play man behind it, and that's what he's going to do. And attack and fix, attack and fix. Um, and uh, it, it'll be a lot of fun. Like, But this, this uh, if you watch that, you'll see this. This corner room is tight, is very tight, and I have a lot of faith in them. Like Denzel, Newsom, Emerson, dude, that th- those three right there, that's for real. Like I got a lot of faith in them making up for maybe some deficiencies in the linebacker room, right? Like hopefully in an ideal world, right, AWOC stays healthy, Taki stays healthy, JOK has a great year and you never really have to worry about getting too deep into your depth at linebacker and it's okay, right? Like the roster is okay. But last year they went through like 25 linebackers. So you can't bank on that. Like you have to be ready to have somebody there next, next guy up. Same thing with defensive tackle in an ideal world. Siaka Ika is fine against the run on first and second down, right? Uh, Tomlinson is great against the run on first and second down. And then on second and longs or third and longs, depending on where you're on the field and depending on the game script, you can move Zedarius inside. You can move Alex right inside. You can really get in that wide nine and put your pin your ears back and, and go after people. Right. And that will work fine with the safeties in the corners that they have and JOK speed on the back end. But where you're going to get yourself into trouble is if teams are running for five yards on first down and now you're trying to manage second and fours and you've got Tomlinson out there. And listen, you just can't get beat on the ground to the to your detriment, right? You can't, just can't get beat running the ball to the point that it loses you the game or puts you in a situation where you can no longer dictate to the offense, what you want to do. And, uh, that's what we saw a ton of last year. Right. We, I'll say this. I think one of the biggest, I'll leave the show with this on thoughts on defense. Cause defense had a good day today. We've been talking a lot about defense. <clears throat> one of the biggest things that Schwartz can do that I think where Joe Woods failed was properly identify a player's role and make them aware of it. Like Perion Winfrey went out there as a rookie and it felt like just go play, go, just go play, go be a defensive tackle in this scheme. Right. But like being a player in the NFL is more than that. It's more than, uh, just being a three tech or just being a nose tackle or just being a, a Sam linebacker or, or a, a will linebacker or a Mike linebacker or a, a slot corner or an outside corner or strong safety or free safety. You can be a free safety that is really good at this, right? Or really good at that. Or you can be a strong safety that also can play deep. And that gives you the ability to, you know, run safeties in and out of the box and do trickeration stuff like the versatility and the role that you want someone to play has to be properly defined 
and the expectation given for someone to do that. And when you have a bunch of guys standing around in the secondary pointing at each other and pointing fingers at each other and talking in the press about whose fault it was, that expectation, that role has not been defined properly, right? Because if it was, then the person would know whose fault it is. When you're talking about getting into the trenches and we're talking about defensive tackles and doing stuff like that, like Mo Hurst is a great example. Like we don't need a ton from Mo Hurst. We need Mo Hurst to give us 300 snaps this year at the right time, make a couple plays. Like, but define that role for him. And then he can be that fourth defensive tackle on the team. And now all of a sudden, I know what my role is. I know what your role is. I know what I'm supposed to do when I'm in X, Y, Z. Everything starts to fall into place. And now you're a unit. Now you're a defense we can be proud of. Now this is a team that has an identity, right? And that's kind of like the biggest thing I said last year. This team's hard to root for. There's no identity. They're pointing fingers at each other. They're hard to like. They were hard to like last year. I don't feel that this year. I watched that unleashed. I watched how tight this cornerback unit is, the safety unit. They, It looks like they authentically like each other. And they authentically like what they're doing and believe in what they're doing defensively. And that matters. Like, that truly matters. And I think Schwartz is bringing that kind of culture to this defense, and I think it's important. Um, so, hey, listen, Thursday night game. Listen, you guys are stuck with me all freaking week. I'm sorry. I hate to break it to you, but I am filling in for Barry tomorrow night. So I will be here uh, asking questions to the great Fred Greetham, who was at Greenbrier. Uh, and uh, we will uh, find out all of the goods from uh, Fred here tomorrow night. Listen, on Thursday night, okay, we will be on after the game. So post-game show, Thursday night, hop on. It'll be, a you know, me, Jake, uh, Andrew, Mike, whoever's on that night, right? After the game, we'll talk about what we saw from the youngsters, what we saw in the Hall of Fame game, all that good stuff. Keep it locked at the OBR, the live wire every day, all that good stuff. Listen, on Friday night, I know it's getting crazy, right? On Friday night, I am doing, and I I will, if you follow me on Twitter at Ward on Sports, I will put out where it's going to be. I'm not sure if it's going to be on this channel or my channel, but uh, I am doing my fantasy football special, okay? And I do it once a year, but this year we've got uh, in gambling special on the Browns too. So these guys are professional. They're the best. They're handicappers. They're freaking hilarious. The Sports Gambling Podcast guys uh, will be on my show on Friday night. If you have fantasy football questions, if you have questions about MVP lines, most touchdown lines for the season, futures, Browns over under win totals, we're going to hit all of that stuff with them, ask them all those questions. They're going to give us the brown, the rundown on the Browns as far as the betting markets and the fantasy football markets go on Friday night. It'll be an absolutely uh, tremendous show. They are terrific uh, fellow Blue Wire podcast uh, family uh, people. And uh, so that's uh, R- Ryan Kramer and Sean Green from the uh, Sports Gambling Podcast Friday night. So you're getting stuck with me all freaking week here on the channel appreciate you guys in the chat this was a fun show uh glad to be back from vacation 
freaking locked in from here, baby. It's, 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 we're locked in from here. Appreciate you guys. Uh, everybody have a wonderful evening. Uh, make sure you tune in to everything at the OBR, uh, and take advantage of that 75% off annual subscription while it's there. Appreciate you all. And, uh, we'll see you tomorrow night right here on the OBR streaming network. My name is Brad Ward. The Browns are out.